I forgot to tell you last night, I, I came upstairs to do some work after everyone was asleep, and you, you had left the, well, someone had left the light on in your office. Oh, and, and me. Yeah, well, my okay. first thought was, well, there are coyotes in the neighborhood. <laughs> the coyote snuck into our house while I we were sleeping and you. turned on my lamp. <laughs> that was my thought. With its opposable thumbs, it turned on my lamp. <laughs> it wasn't a... It wasn't a rational thought, but it literally yes. did cross my mind. Like, well, we do have coyotes around. Watch out for those coyotes. <laughs> like They'll come gonna, turn on your desk lamps. <laughs> come up and find one typing away. <laughs> right in, oh, my God. If it was right in my draft, that right would be a fanfic, right? Right. <laughs> Could you hire it? <laughs> right. My ghostwriter was a coyote. This is Ink Bottle. A podcast. I didn't know you were queuing me up. I wasn't, oh, but go ahead. This uh, is Ink Bottle. A podcast about parenting, creativity, and creative parenting. Today, we're going to be, uh, as you know, one thing follows the other, and we move through noveling uh, and storytelling. Today, we're going to be talking about endings. Endings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about endings. Let's yes. talk about them. Some say, and we say this about everything, but some say it's the hardest part. It is really I, hard. I don't know. Oh, I don't, really? yeah, I don't know. I think it depends, which is a total I think I think getting there is uh, yeah. hard. I think if you've done I think, your work. Yeah. I think um, refining the ending and like having a good ending is the hard part. But I mean, just that's like, a given, right? Like, I mean... You would think. No, I mean, it's a given that we're talking about having doing it well, not just doing it. Like, well, I mean, I feel like the there's point. both because, you know, in a in a first draft, you sure, just want to sure, get sure. there. And in revisions, yeah. that's when you want to get to the the good version of the ending. Yeah. Or I, the best version of the ending. it's fair to say the ending is the hardest part to get right. Second hardest. <laughs> Next to what? Next to the, the beginning. beginning, yeah. I think the ending might be harder. Okay, agree to know. disagree, but go for it. Uh, no, we cannot disagree. Exactly. We're married. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I really don't know. It really depends on the book. I do think I've, for me, I've had books where I do the work leading up to the ending so thoroughly that it there's a momentum coming into the mm-hmm. ending and it doesn't feel hard. It is hard. It's tricky. It's complicated. You have to make right decisions, but the experience of it is fun because. I've been wanting to write it for the whole book, you know, and when I get there, I'm like, oh, baby, you know, here we go. And like, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, I think um, for me, endings, like I, like you said, doing all the work to get there, make them less um, daunting. There's like, right. it's like you're, um, you've given yourself a landing pad. Mm-hmm. So there's more surety there, but when you're doing the beginning, there, it's like takeoff. You don't. It, it's like takeoff, but you in a fog, so you can't see how much runway you have. <laughs> you just gotta go and right. be like, okay, we're gonna make it, or like, right. you know, taking up, like like the albatrosses in the rescuers movies, <laughs> Orville and Wilbur, how they just kind of you know run and then fall off the side of a building and then they're flying like. Yes. Bernard and Bianca don't know that they're going to fly. I'm sorry. Deep cut, y'all. Deep cut. I was going to say this is such a parenting reference, but it's not. No. It's just a you reference. It's like, a Disney you, reference. You would know that stuff whether or not we right. had a kid. But so, it's, you know, it's, yeah, it feels like that. So Yeah, which is fun. I, I enjoy that aspect of it, but it is yeah. terrifying. With endings, I think, 
one thing, like, it's obvious that endings matter a lot, of course, but I do think they matter in ways that are sometimes even beyond the obvious. Like, you want to have a big finish, you want to stick the landing. The way that a landing resonates with us and echoes, I think, um, really does inform how we think of the entire book. And mm-hmm. in that sense, like, just like the beginning has an extra weight to it because of all the work it has to do. And mm-hmm. obviously because it has to pull you in and there's all kinds of physics and mechanics inherent to it. The ending has that because of that dramatic oversized, mm-hmm. given the space it takes up, effect up to the very last beat. Like the one that I always come back to in my head is the movie Jackie Brown. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. It's a great movie. Like, I'm not a big fan of the ending. Spoiler alert, they don't end up together. We spend an entire movie with these two characters having really great chemistry and all this stuff. And then they just sort of walk away from each other. And it's not mm. it's not clear why. They're, it's not really like, oh, yeah, they, they had to. They just kind of walk away from each other. And you're left feeling like, what? And up until I rewatched it, I had always wondered, like, my memory of it is, is a really good movie. And, you know, I enjoyed watching it, but I almost never think about it. And no one ever talks about it. Yeah. And I think it's a lot because like the ending just didn't hit. Like it's didn't yeah. it's just kinda simmered out. Yeah. It's like the beginning can gain you a reader, the ending can lose you a fan. Ooh. I know, right, bars. I just, just came up with that. Just, yeah, <laughs> I, I, did. I saw you come up with it and it was <laughs> No, but it's real because how many times have you oh, like okay. read a book and you've been really enjoying it and yeah. then the end just kills it for you? Or yeah. like you said, watch the movie and the yeah. ending just really tanks it. Yeah. So and on the other hand, like you can read a book that's like, okay, it's like, all right, this one's, you know, this isn't bad, but it's not great. And then you get to the ending and it's like, oh shit, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in for the long haul. Yeah. That's really true. It'll it'll and it's especially important when you're writing you know series so duology trilogy right even longer you really like you have to on like each ending has to hit just right that's actually real let's talk about that because Mm -hmm. that's its own topic entirely almost because there's the tricky piece of it has to well let's start with this before we even get to that you know the job of the ending like we talked about when we were talking about the beginnings one of the principal jobs of the ending is to answer the questions that are asked by the beginning, right? Yes. But also mm-hmm. asked by the whole book. Yeah. You spend the whole book asking questions, and those questions heighten in intensity and urgency mm-hmm. as we get closer and closer to the beating heart. And we need to walk away with a sense that that we have an answer. That answer yes. can ask, and probably should ask more questions, whether or not it's a series. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to be too pit-pat, tit-tat, like, you know, yeah. like wrapped up in a ribbon and a bow. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a sense of satisfaction on some yes, level. Yes, that's the key right there. Ending. Right, satisfaction. That you have to, the, the reader has to come away satisfied. Right. And and I, the way we, I think the way we satisfy our readers is by setting up these questions. And again, they're going to be nebulous questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily a direct like murder asked and answered mystery. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a sense of fulfillment because whatever was whatever we started with as like an opener feels fulfilled by the end. That still allows you to have a cliffhanger if you want it, you know, have more questions asked by the answer, which is, again, every good question, every good answer asks more questions. Mm -hmm. But you have to do that work to make sure that that it's fulfilling. Do you have an example of uh, like a early 
draft of a book you did where the ending was a bad ending and you were like, oh, this is a bad ending. I do. But I'm wondering if well, you no, do. Well, you start because. Uh, well, yeah, I can't. Ahead. I don't want to. I'll, I'll post my original draft one ending of oh, that self-same metal um, awesome. at some point. I'm going to give you all a little bit more time to read the first book before I post it. Sure. Because it's a kind of spoiler. It's literally the ending. Yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest spoiler there right. is. So, but it, um, I just remember you reading it and you being like, that ending is so unsatisfying. You can't. <gasps> I didn't say that. You base that's basically what you said. And you were right. Oh, are we talking about the historical piece that was connected to it? No, just the, so, um, how, how she experienced this big event, but from a distance and just like, yeah, 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 it was yeah. a badass moment too. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's like uh yeah she joan has a badass moment and then something important happens like off in the distance and then she just kind of you know real 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 heroes don't look at explosions her way out of it <laughs> so and, <laughs> and to be clear i don't think it was a bad ending i was very was. Spe- okay that's fine i don't <laughs> uh, no i just think like my i had a very razor like focused critique on that and mm-hmm. it was that you had a major historical event happening in the very far background of the story yeah and to that end like that's why i'm like if if that hadn't been the case it would have worked perfectly well so it wasn't like a badly written ending it had an element that i think you know but but it's not just answering questions and i think this brings up the perfect like next piece of it is that it is it is fulfilling promises right Mm -hmm. so we talked last time about how the middle has that thing that the save the cat um, equation calls the promise of the premise mm-hmm. and yes that that is the middle absolutely but there's also the promise of i don't know what it, what to call it but it's like the larger promise of the book i mean honestly it's the promise of the beginning right mm-hmm. if the premise is kind of like what we go in before we start reading thinking about and like oh this is this kind of story yeah. so we want this out of it the beginning itself makes another promise Mm-hmm. And the worst thing you can do is break that promise. Like it, unless you're doing it with a whole lot of intentionality and with a lot of creativity, it's going to feel really jarring to like not have that promise fulfilled, but to fulfill it, we need to know what it is. We, the writer. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'll, I'll accept that it wasn't a poorly written ending, but it was a bad ending in that anyone who read the book and got to that ending right. would leave unsatisfied. That's where I think the broken promise thing comes yeah. in. I think like you have a major historical event happening around the book. And so as a reader, we're thinking, oh, this is going to be really intimately tied up. Like we're coming to a head yeah. and it's going to be explosive. I guess we don't have to talk around it. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically the way the book ended is um, Joan shows up at the secretary of state's office and he's the one who like challenged this is in Shakespearean her. England. Yeah, in Shakespearean England, she he's the one who's like challenged her to do all this stuff. So she delivers on what he made her do and um then in the background <laughs> there's this huge explosion at the House <laughs> of Lords and she's just like, "You know what? That's not my problem." And she leaves his office. <laughs> And that's the end of the book. <laughs> and like, that's nowhere near what no, the ending you, is but now. But you have to tell them what that explosion was. Oh, it was the, the um, gunpowder plot being successful. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, babe, you can't. It's like, so I the like end, I had a good nowhere, example. Yeah, that's nowhere near the ending that it is now. Um, yeah. And that was like the biggest change. And I think that, honestly, I think that if I hadn't made that change, I don't think I would have landed an agent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I do because the it's, power that I have. I mean, when you get good notes, you get good notes. That was a good note. 
it's just so, it's so funny I, but i do feel like that's yeah. like that's the thing that happens like it's that satisfaction point yes you it's know the promise it's the promise of something i don't know what, yeah. the, what the word is but it's not the premise it's really the promise of the book like the book itself makes promises you know yeah. i think you you just like we we're talking about how the beginning teaches the reader how to read the book mm-hmm. as you're doing that you're also making them promises and how you formulate those promises does matter and in terms of the beginning it matters because you want them to know that there's like fun and adventure ahead if that's what there is. Mm-hmm. And you need to figure out a way to do that in the story that's not going to feel forced, right? Yeah. But when it comes to the ending, you need to be very clear about what promises you did make. And it's right. worth going back and looking. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to, like the story doesn't, like you said, doesn't have to be closed out and tied neatly with a bow. They like be. open endings can be just as satisfying. Yeah. Um, and well, <laughs> Yes, within reason. Yeah. I mean, you have to. It's a balancing act. But it, yeah, you, there are certain, I want to say there are certain types of books and genres, uh, and it probably leans into like the, when you start, like, it's like you said, the questions that are asked at the beginning or the, the questions that are posed, like you have to answer most of them. If not, yeah, you got to answer most of them. You can't, mm-hmm. I'm thinking in particular of, um, uh, yellow face. And mm. the ending of that isn't tied up neatly in a bow. But yeah. I didn't come away from that feeling unsatisfied. Well, see, there's... I, right. I haven't read it. But there's a difference between not tying up everything and m- leaving important things unanswered. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes writers will um, just be like, well, what do you think happened? And I <laughs> kind of hate that. Yeah. There's ways to do it right. So I yeah, I often yeah. don't like it. It, usually, it often doesn't work for me personally. Um, I, there are, t- I can't think of one off the top of my head. I like, I'm not bothered by the Sopranos one. That's the most famous mm-hmm. you know, example of that. It didn't bother me, but it bothered a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, also the inception one bothers a lot of people. I thought it was, but it's uh, not, it's, uh, it's because most people are focusing on the wrong thing. It's like, they are focused on whether or not the spinning top falls, but the important thing isn't whether or not it falls is that leo's character doesn't care anymore that's exactly so that that i would not put even under the same like there's a clarity to that and that's a really good point right and i think that's usually what makes those endings that are supposedly ambiguous actually not ambiguous like they can look like it Mm -hmm. i just started to hate it when sometimes it feels like the writer is trying to dodge responsibility and just not uh, yes. make the choice and be yeah. like, well, you decide. And I hate that. Well, it's easy to punt on an ending. That's a punt. It's exactly. so easy to punt. Right. It's so easy to just like, and then it was done. And it's it's a, it's a, it's a sign of, uh, I want to say literary immaturity. Ooh. Because it's what, you know, it's what kids do. It's how we tell stories when we're kids. Well, give me an example. You know, when, when, you, you, when know, you say punt, what do you mean? Like, just kind of, instead of digging in and you know really answering these questions and giving a solid and like ending and answers that'll be satisfying to the reader just being like and then everything got wrapped up and it was done Mm. you know how when how you know kids tell stories when i would get bored writing stories as a kid I would do a series of like dramatic ultraviolet sound effects, <laughs> right? Literally write them like, "Oh no, it's a truck!" Kaboom! Screech! Ah! My right. leg! My leg! Dunk! 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 Yeah. Like, clearly, the the young comic book writer and me coming out, but like, yeah, I mean, it's because I was bored of the story and I just wanted to end it quick, so I would just murder all the characters mm-hmm. with sound effects. But yeah, I mean, I, you have to 
You have to make decisions as a writer. Yeah. That's your job. And sometimes ambiguous endings can feel like the writer just didn't want the responsibility of being like, well, this is what happened and it sucked or it was amazing or whatever. And, you know, it depends how they play it. But I also want to take a moment to say, I, I say this a lot in classes. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but I do think it's worth touching on the fact that like we are talking about like a very specific, we're, we're both genre kids, first of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of the same principles and concepts apply to like quote unquote literary stories as well. And that's a whole conversation genre versus literary that we should probably talk about at some point, but Mm -hmm. you know, good storytelling is good storytelling. Um, We say a lot of stuff like they're fixed rules and they're not. And we, I, I know I try, I think we both try to, you know, kind of make that clear with language and the way that we talk Mm -hmm. about it and we also slip into just being like look this is what it is this is terrible (laughs) whatever we're also very opinionated you know so (laughs) i i want to put out there that like we're talking in in somewhat abstract and then trying to be concrete too these are not hard and fast rules and Mm -mm. we are also talking about like a very particular western kind of storytelling yeah you know that works for some people and the i think these are i always think of whether they're rules or not, or whether they're stated as rules, whatever they are, I always think of them as things to be playful with. Mm-hmm. But it, you can't be playful with it until you understand it. And so the idea of like talking about them with these more, you know, the way we do is to really have like a common language to then be able to say like, no, we're actually going to break that or let's try it this way because that one, you know, that's played out or whatever. So there is that aspect to it. And yeah. I don't want people to take from this like this is the one way. Right. That's all. right. No, I appreciate that because, yeah, there is a lot of um, kind of basing all of our critiques on or our um, story structure understanding on Western storytelling is um, limiting. Limiting. Very limiting. (laughs) To get back to the series idea, I think one common mistake that series writers make is to lean too hard into trying to drag people into the next book with the ending. Yeah. The ending's job is not to make you want to read the second book. That's not the job of the ending. If you, it, it's not the own. It's not the primary. That's the job of the book. Oh well. Book one, the whole of book one's job. If I love the book, I'm gonna read the next book. Okay. You don't I, need to leave me at a cliffhanger. You, I'm I, not against cliffhangers. To be clear, I, I, I cliff hung. I know, and I'm not against yeah. cliffhangers. But you didn't cliffhang at the expense of a fulfilling ending. No, and the way I thought about it was in each individual book has to have its issues resolved. Right. To answer Even, their question yeah. of the book. Right. Exactly. That's so. that's what I'm saying. You can do both. And yeah. I think a good writer will do both. The problem is when they're like, I need to drag people into the next book, so I'm going to leave them hanging on this important note that's related to the entire story that I just right. read. and. It's when it feels like a partial book. Like you didn't finish writing the book. Right. Exactly. You just, you, you can't, the story of your series has to arc over all of the books that are in the series, but each book has to be complete. I I know that I, um, one trick is to give away a free book. Um, the first book for free to entice you to read the right. next books in the series. Right. And I got one of these free books. I thought I was enjoying it. And then I got to the end and it was an ebook. So I didn't know the ending was coming. <laughs> and I got to the, you know, I read the last page and then it was acknowledgments. And I was like, wait, where's the rest of the book? Because exactly. it was definitely not finished. It felt like I'd read basically a 
200 word prologue see there's two problems with that for me is the the sense of unfulfillment is a very major one it reflects badly over the book itself because Mm -hmm. you're unsatisfied so like we talked about like that's the that's the echo of the book is gonna be a crappy one but Mm -hmm. also it feels manipulative it does i feel like if you need you're so desperate to get me to read the next book that you're gonna leave me hanging i don't want to read the next book because you're just trying to get me to i'm gonna read the next again i'm gonna read the next book because book one is good right and i mean it's all about like book one needs to resolve the issue of book one right and if, if it doesn't, you don't right you can't don't please don't stretch that out into books two and three it, yeah i just um, i wanted to read this one for a full story for not full for story. not for the the 200 page prologue i always come back to shadow shaper for this because i tried like hell to sell it as a series and they mm-hmm. were like nope 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 we never heard of you no one's ever heard of you why would we buy a series from you Mm -hmm. and i was like because in my head it's a series like it was so clearly a series and the world was so expansive and sierra obviously had such a big arc ahead of her but since they wouldn't buy it as a series risk averse ass publishing um i was like all right well i guess i'm writing a standalone but i knew i still wanted to make it a series so basically like that made the book better in a way because it made me Add in this kind of additional element, which was basically the sorrows who are kind Mm -hmm. of like the bad guy behind the bad guy, right? There's a big bad, but he is in this weird, creepy relation, not relationship, but you know, he's like funded by these other spirits that live in in a cemetery uptown. And I knew that that was a thread that I could pull should Mm -hmm. I eventually get a series. I would have, you know, more world building to pull from instead of having to like create something brand new and that and that worked you know like they does shadow shaper eventually you know shadow shaper sold really well and did better than expectations and they came crawling back and were like hey do you want to write a book two and a book three and at that point i was feeling extremely petty and i was like maybe (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i had to take actually i had to genuinely take a walk and like cool off and be like do i oh man yeah i do i kind of like i went to prospect park i kind of checked in with sierra in my imagination and i was like we got more stories and she was like yeah yeah we got that i was like all right all right all right so when when i did come back to the table and say yeah you know there was like this this thread to pull but shadow Mm -hmm. shaper itself you know i since i didn't know i definitely wasn't going to end it on a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. but i ended on the on the note of like you know where this is just beginning like this is just the beginning of the journey yeah which is different than a cliffhanger yeah it is and i i went in knowing that i was writing a trilogy and having sold a trilogy which um was wild when you think about it um and i still knew that i wanted the ending of book one the ending of book two and ultimately the ending of book three to each feel like i wanted them each to feel complete Mm. um and with that and like you said having that thread to pull i wanted that I wanted to drop the the breadcrumbs at the end for to lead you into book two. Exactly. Um, but and then, you know, drop the with a I think with a book two you can have a bit more of a cliffhangery ending. I was about to say that. If you think back on like the trilogies of time, mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of the second installments of a three book or a three movie, whatever, like is a downer. Yeah. And it then, and it good. It has a. It leaves you with more, um, with more unanswered questions than right. the first one does. But the good ones always do answer the questions inherent to that story. Itself, yeah, right? yeah, like of course. Empire ends on a down note, mm-hmm. but you know 
you know, what happened. Like, right. you know, what happened in the scope of the arcs that we mm-hmm. were dealing with immediately. It's just yep. like, same with uh, Last Jedi, you know, like yep. a, another perfect number two in, yeah. out of three, like ends on this like heavy note, right? But they, they get away from the immediate threat, but they're yeah. in dire straits. And right. And it's, they and, have a lot of work know, to do. Yeah. And next. it's those breadcrumbs that are left, like, well, Ray has the Jedi texts and right, right. She has, you know, the pieces to the lightsaber that Leia implies can be put back together. The thread that they dropped was that little kid with the right, you know, Amazing. holding his broom like it's a lightsaber, showing that he has the Force as he looks at what we can assume is the a Millennium Falcon flying through the night sky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to like say that like, well, the rebellion is down, but it's not. The resistance is down, but it's not out. Exactly. And it's the same way, you know, with Empire. It's like the rebellion is down, but they're not out. Right. And and you want to know, like, how they're going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. The important thing, though, is those are very different questions than we're asking at the beginning of that movie. Yeah. Like, we have traveled. There has been change, right? Crisis mm-hmm. has occurred, and it has been a turning point. Now we're somewhere brand new, and that requires a whole new set of questions based on what we've been through. So mm-hmm. it feels like something momentous has happened, and the characters have actively played a part in it and we want to know what they're going to do next now with all these new powers and these Mm -hmm. new dangers that have risen over the course of the story yeah and i think one thing about endings is um a lot of times when you start a book you have an ending in mind Mm -hmm. like you know what you're shooting for Mm -hmm. but you need to remain flexible as you write because some things in the middle that you discover may need you to you know tweak the ending in certain ways so the thing you were yeah. shooting for may not be your end target or it may not be the end target. Has that happened to you? Um, it, yeah, it did. Cause you know, the ending that we talked about for that self same metal, that's nowhere near the ending that it is now. And right. the ending changed almost as much as the beginning changed. And the changes in the ending then required you to change everything else. Right. Like, well, the parts throughout what I discovered in the middle Mm. made me have to change right the ending that right. i had in mind right um and you know you a bad example of that is the ending of um how i met your mother the That's journey right. that they took us on over multiple seasons and especially in the final season they had recorded this um finale dialogue way back when they were doing like season one two or three or something like that they had recorded it then mm. And they felt that even though the characters had changed so much between the plan that they had for them in those early seasons Mm. and by the end, they didn't adjust. They just kind of threw that ending at us. And it, I have never been so mad at a finale. Wow. Me and like so many other people to the point where they re-released a new cut of the finale <laughs> on YouTube. On YouTube. Yes. Was it fan made or was no. it, it was official? Yes. Because it was so bad. That's such a good, um, I've never seen the show, but that story is such a good example of the need for flexibility in our mm-hmm. storytelling and in our process and, and beyond flexibility, I would say playfulness, right? Like Yeah. To um, connect to parenting, which, you know, I feel like we should do every once in a while because <laughs> yep. that's what the podcast is about. But mm-hmm. I do think like watching Tito play, there's mm-hmm. so much to learn from him. Yeah. Because first of all, like obviously, you know, kids' imaginations are on a thousand compared mm-hmm. to adults. 
And second of all, for him to have such an active imagination and for kids to have it, I know they do, but just to see it, like, yeah. at such a young age, like, before before he could, like, feed himself, right? <laughs> like, yeah. when we were still, like, handing him food, right? He would already be inventing new games yeah, and, and teaching would. us the games. Like, without mm-hmm. words, he would be teaching us the games and, you know, how to play them and we would play them. That's incredible. And, like, yeah. that to me says, like playfulness is inherent to humanity mm-hmm. and really honestly to the animal kingdom period but yeah that's a, i find that so inspiring and i also just think like it requires us as adults to bring intentionality to playfulness we have to be intentional about cultivating playfulness right yeah. like because it's not it's not um encouraged usually no it's not right like there's it, there's a sense that we kind of don't need it anymore that's not true no. but especially as creatives and i would say as parents you mm-hmm. need to be able to be playful with the material, with the storytelling, with the process you're having and, and with kids. Yeah. I think for me, Mm -hmm. where it kind of comes into play, the most comes into, comes into play the most Mm -hmm. (laughs) is, um, in letting go of my expectation of how he Mm -hmm. should, or Mm. how he should either, you know, interact with something or learn some skill or like when he should learn a certain skill, like having this, um, these like little, like, end these little milestones or end games in mind and having to let go of my own expectations and just kind of go with the flow of where he's taking me. Yeah. Um, and it's even in little things where like, I'll, you know, he'll be, He'll be using playing with a new toy and he'll be trying to figure out like how to how to use it, how what goes where, how to do it. And me, I have to fight the urge of being like, no, 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 this is the right way to do it. Let (laughs) me show you how to do it right. And just let it go and be like, you know what? He'll figure it out. Right. It's fine. He'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. And and that's such a good example because it's not it's not about performance. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. about it's not an outward facing thing. This is like like play ultimately, I think, in its original intent is to so we learn, right? No, it absolutely is. We do things is. over and over, and we learn how to do them. But I yeah. think it also creates community. Like it's how we interact. Mm-hmm. It's how we learn how to interact with ourselves, with the world around us, with people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see it in humans, and you see it in the animal kingdom. Totally. Like, yeah, we all. I'm just play. laughing because I made the mistake of of teaching Tito that the force shove works over Skype. So then when when I was out of town the other day, Skyping and just trying to have a normal adult conversation with my wife, I kept having to fall over. Yeah, because he was for sure. He he goes, (laughs) yeah. He does a little like, yeah. Raises his hand. You know, I'm committed to the, like, if we're going to have, you know, I just, I mean, following. You got to commit to the bit. Following Bandit's, you know, role model (laughs) on Blue. You got to commit to the bit. If you're going to do it, do it. So, you know, within reason. Yeah. You know, it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah. But but yeah, I think all of this translates back to the creative process. If you can't be playful, if you're so rigid that you think it has to be this. First of all, like, good luck um, being an outliner. Because <laughs> you cannot, I mean, also good luck being a pantser. Good luck being a pantser, right? And and like I said before, for most of my career, I was just like a, a gardener. Like, let's just do it. Let's find out what happens. And you have to be able to change and adjust yeah. as you go. And you can't be stuck to the words you already wrote. What mm-hmm. I would do is because, especially I, I, for me, I find with gardening, a momentum is so important, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you stop 
and go back off of I, I was thinking of it as like Orpheus like if you look back everything turns to dust it's mm-hmm. a wrap right and so knowing that you know what I would just do is keep a running sheet of stuff that I knew like a tally of edits that I knew yeah. I would have to make so I'd be like all right oh this dude has to die in chapter three you know I would like write that down mm-hmm. and then I would know I could come back when I was done when I'd gotten all the way to the end you know momentum accomplished yeah boom and that's what it would be but that requires playfulness yeah, it does. It does. And I'm doing that now as I'm drafting. I'm right. keeping a running, you know, my notes of what to go back and fix. That's a good idea. But um, another thing is don't think you have to get your ending right in one go. True. True. You know, just like just like all of this um, writing the beginning, writing the middle, writing the end. Sometimes you, you know, it's more often than not, you're going to have to tweak it. You're going to have to get somebody else's eyes on it um, to see the things that you couldn't see, to see the gaps that you couldn't find. And then you'll go back and work on it some more. Right. Um, This isn't a like one and done kind of um, practice. Right. Right. We were talking about the, um, you know the the serious thing right like the mm-hmm. uh, robert mckee has this thing in story that i think a lot about where he kind of has the, the, the notion of like uh downbeats and upbeats kind of being in conversation with each other so like one mm-hmm. scene will end on a down and then yeah. another scene will end on an up and it'll be a constant kind of tit for tat and obviously you don't want to get too mechanical with it because it'll start mm-hmm. to feel that way if you're not careful but it's always some it's an interesting dynamic at play to keep in mind and there is a balancing act to it and I think that also kind of explains that, you know, first movie, first book, whatever it might be, ending on and up, second one ending on the down, third one ending on and up often mm-hmm. in a duology like, you know, the um, Infinity Wars, right? Like first yeah. movie ended on the downest of, oh, of bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that was, you know, down it was a duology. abysmal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> down of the downest. Down catastrophic. Exactly. And like, you know, there we are. But you can't be too, it, these aren't there for us to be like, it must be this because it was supposed to be that. It's mm-hmm. not. It's there to be like, oh, here's one methodology. Let's try this. Let's see if it works. Let's be playful with it. You know, boom. Yeah. Um, the other word that I always think about when it comes to endings that I think is really important is the concept of culmination. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways that an ending feels satisfying is that it is a culmination. Yes. And I always come back and that to that end on, on a, on a very, like we were talking about how beginnings it's dangerous to throw all the characters on the page in the first chapter mm-hmm. and how you could get away with that in a movie or a comic book because there's a visual cue that you can go from, mm-hmm. you know, the Godfather famously um, all that because introducing people is hard. In a book, especially, but endings. Now that is when you really do want to get everyone on the page that you yes. can. So if you, if that requires a funeral, a wedding, and you will notice a lot of a lot of stories, you know, really do like land on one. I of those mean, big... Shakespeare, Shakespeare, <laughs> that guy. Everybody's gonna Everybody's, pop up at the end, and they feel maybe they're gonna die, but they, it's gonna feel like you know we were on this journey for a reason, and every single piece along the way got us to where we're at and had mm-hmm. resonance and power that would thread through and meaning that would land in that last beat where everyone is dead on stage or whatever. Right. Like I, it matters, you know, and it, and I think too, in terms of the gifts that are, that are given to heroes in classical Greek mythology, you know, mm-hmm. like Athena gives, and it's just, Athena is the cue of, you know, Greek mythology, right? right. Like she's yeah. like, She'd this is exactly people. what you're going to need. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to need to use a little car door locker. Right. That'll blow things up. <laughs> Whatever. Like, you, you know, like exactly the thing. And then sure enough, there's Medusa and you have a shield that reflects. Amazing. 
but that's a that's a perfect example of the culminate culminative aspect of an ending, mm-hmm. right? Like you use the tools that you gathered along the way on a more like everyday life, you know, quote unquote literary story or whatever, which I did roll my eyes about. I do sometimes love those, but whatever. The point is, you still do that, right? A good yeah, a good literary novel about everyday life. There's still a person moving through that story on mm-hmm. a journey who gathers tools, but those tools might not be a magic shield. It might be like the emotional capacity to face, you know, your greatest fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a convergence of it's all a convergence. of the all of the threads that are powering through your story. They all come together at the end. And if you when you forget something or leave one out, that's when it feels. Yeah. You feel it. The reader feels it. There's a lack. There's the feeling. There's mm-hmm. like an emptiness of like, wait, no, what, did, what was the point of that then? Like, why did right. we do that whole thing? There might not be a good answer. And that right. might, then that, <laughs> that thing might need to come out of the book. Right. Is the thing. It's not even about like, <laughs> you don't want to shove it into the ending just because you're like, right. well, I wrote it. Now I got to shove it into the right. ending. I mean, one of the best physicalized versions, I think, of this whole culminative conversation is the Battle of Five Armies at the end of The Hobbit. The book, not the trilogy. Why was it a trilogy? Because Why, money. Peter? Because money. Why, Peter? Okay, because, either way. <laughs> because because those movies gave us wonderful things and also terrible things. And That's, that trilogy was one of those terrible things. There were moments. The other terrible thing is a um, complete gutting of the labor laws when it comes to filming things in New Zealand. That happened because of that. Yep. That's really jacked up. Yep. Well, since we're anyway. talking about the books, <laughs> crickets, um, please support the SAG after strike. Yes, please support up. us. Um, exactly. But yeah, the book, the Battle of Five Armies is a great example because mm-hmm. you meet all these different species or whatever along the way. And then they all like have a big war and they all come in, you know, up to the mm-hmm. eagles. Of course, famously, the eagles like saving the day. Yeah. Tolkien was like, oh, shit, eagles. Like plays a great part in that. Like they all really do come together brilliantly. And that's what you're doing. It's just that, you know, your orc army might be like, you know, feeling emotionally constipated or whatever it is that, mm-hmm. you know, your character's trying to get through. It doesn't have to be in our actual army of orcs. I think the best case scenario is when you're doing both, right? Like ideally that, that whole concept of the internal conflict and the external conflict really coming to a head and like solving each other or being, you know, getting in each other's way or what have you, they should be in relationship. And that's when I I think things really start to feel like they're popping. Mm -hmm. No, it is. I haven't read the Hobbit, but it's a banger. Yeah, it's Truly. short too. Short it's, a, it's a skin it's tea Practically book. a novella. That's right. why it shouldn't have been three movies. But that's I know, right? Listen. The final mm-hmm. thing I will put on the table myself is that one you and I talk about a lot because Lee Bardugo is a god. Yes. Uh, but I just remember, I'm sure other people have said it, but I, I went to Lee once with a book that I couldn't solve the ending for. And I was like, man, and I gave her the whole setup and there was like giant frogs and like they're in the Louisiana swamps and there's dinosaurs and they're trying to find this like missing family member and i <laughs> she didn't have time to read the book so i just we like bounce books off each other all the time but this was like a emergency sudden you know like i needed help so i called her i was driving around new orleans and i had her on like speakerphone in the car and i was just like all right this and i gave her the whole run and she's like wow giant frogs and then she's like well does the character like what is it at the end that they can do at the end that helps them win that they couldn't do at the beginning mm. and i was like Gah? like 
it's so simple and mm-hmm. so complicated at the same time, right? And like, mm-hmm. I think I had known that that that's important. That's literally an arc. Like, that's yeah, the question is. that you need to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out the arc. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I knew that. <laughs> I knew that and I didn't. Like, I, mm-hmm. I knew it on a deep down level maybe, but she just said it so perfectly and it was so straightforward. And like, if you can't answer that question, then you need to. You need to be able to answer that question. Like, regardless of what genre you're in, regardless mm-hmm. of what, like, what country you're writing in. That's when, like, when we talk about the idea of crisis and uh, as a, like, a turning point, as a change, that's the crisis of the character. Is mm-hmm. the character growing into the person that they have to be in order to succeed by the end of the book, which not for nothing mirrors perfectly the crisis that the author goes through. We, every book requires us to step up and become the writer we need to be mm-hmm. to finish the book. You're not that writer when you start the book. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. No, it's a good it's thing because you need to grow. And mm-hmm. the book grows you. The process of the book grows you. That's a beautiful thing. But you have to let it happen. Allow yourself to be where you are so you can get to where you're going. Amen and ashe. That was a good quote, too. That was good. We should just make bumper good. stickers of like Listen, half the shit we say. Get the red bubble shop going. Right. Boom. All right. But I think that's that's the end on endings. That's the end on endings, and that's the end of our beginning, middles, and endings yep. series. Yeah. So if you have any other questions, if you are sitting there scratching your head about this, drop us a you know, to let us know. Are we intimidating? Are people shy? Don't be shy. No. Ask no. us questions. I think we're thorough. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but for real, let us know on like on the Twitters, on Instagram, on like wherever Substack. you you know. Yeah, on Substack. Um, you can comment right on the bottom of this Substack post with yeah, this you can. Or podcast. if you if you're listening to it somewhere else, hit us up on Instagram. We'll you know we post every launch on our um, Ink Bottle Podcast Instagram. Yeah. Um, wherever you yeah. may be. Or even hit up me, hit up Daniel, whichever. Just mm-hmm. let us know and we will get you your answers. Correct. Until then and yes. until next time. Mm-hmm. Do we know what we're talking about next time? No, but we'll figure it out. All right. This has been Ink Bottle, a podcast about podcasting. No, that's not true. That's not no, what we are. Why? I don't, it just came out. Uh, this okay. has been Ink Bottle, a podcast about parenting, creativity, and creative parenting. That's it. Deuces.